We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. Now, at this point in life, do you regret signing to Bad Boy? No. Not at all. Because we had a standard contract. We didn't, our contract wasn't different from most MCs that, that, that had it. And uh, you got to go through trials and tribulations. And that's like... Who wouldn't go to the Chicago Bulls of rap? I mean, they were hot at that point. They were the Chicago Bulls of rap, basically. Like, you know, you know. so who who wouldn't? And especially coming from a place where you're hustling. Mm-hmm. So you want to make an opportunity to get eventually get away from hustling and not have to be in that position. But until you feel comfortable and you get acclimated as a, you know, an MC, a group, a rapper, whatever it may be, you're still on... Good to a ratio. Okay, though. Good to a ratio. Okay, though. That might be the best question I've ever been asked. You're a phenomenal person. I mean, you legendary. I am a fan of you, my brother. My man Styles P from The Locks is on his final solo album. He's spending a lot of time talking about juices for life and his pharmacy for life he's got a whole wellness business on the side it's actually not on the side in his life right now but he's still an MC, and we have an amazing conversation about the difference between rapping and MCing, about first falling in love with hip-hop and what actually happened in puff's office when he went in and said yo our contract is way too messed up it's a great conversation with a great legendary rapper let's get it it's styles p from the locks on tour a show so i think one of the great moments of your career was that versus that y'all did cuz the i mean so many great moments but like everybody's cooped up yeah everybody was looking forward to that yeah and it really had like a lot of those verses it was like a charity match like we're not gonna kill each other who knows who won yeah that one it was definitely like you know lox is killing him <laughs> dipset's getting mad <laughs> it's getting chippy there was clearly a moment where it was like okay so this is over <laughs> Right. How did that feel for you on stage going through that? Just enjoying the moment. Like you say, everyone was cooped up. It was, you know, felt like we was inside forever. Yes. Like, you know, there had been no live events. It's an event happening at Madison Square Garden. Um, like you say, all the other verses had kind of been real cool and like. Kumbaya. Yeah, like <laughs> with, which uh, I would say the uh, the the Gucci and. um Yeah. Gucci and Jeezy was a little, a little more, 
little little more, but for the most part, and no one really was performing. It's like they was performing, right. but cool. Like we had in our mind that uh, I don't. We didn't grasp the gratitude, or I mean, a, you know, the magnitude of what it would end up like. Are you? We, no, we never. I didn't think it would be a thing in hip hop afterwards. Like you know what I mean. But it was our our intention to just show people how we perform, right? And what we do and what we do when it's a, what you're supposed to do in hip hop when you're up against someone. Like, I mean, you go, when you're going into that, are you like, so we got these records and we know them. Yeah. They got these records. They're not, their catalog is not our catalog. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it was funny because most of the younger generation are, are looking at it the opposite way. Mm. You know, Dipset's more popular, I would say, with the younger generation and their flamboyancy and their, their swag and people wanted to be like that. So the internet people, the younger the younger generation was leaning more to, they were thinking we was going to get our ass kicked. So you, our peers and our older generation, we knew that, that knew about our history, the amount of rap, you yeah. know, things we've been through, rap beefs we've been through, yeah. how we rhyme in the studio, just how we live. The elder generation kind of understood who we were. Right. The younger didn't. So it was, and then you got you got to understand. Um, besides being a locks, they knew Chic is a solo. They knew Styles is a solo. They yeah. knew Kiss is a solo. Yeah. They knew D Block, but a lot of them didn't even understand what the the locks were. So that was something we did did take into consideration and understood going in, and also what you said about all right, this is their catalog. This is our catalog. If they play this, we're going to play this. If they do that, we're going to do that. It was more of a studying your craft, really. Did you go into it feeling like an underdog? Or no. I, you, you, we always felt very confident about yeah, it. Yeah. It was more so of knowing what the other people thought. Like, it was more so after a minute. It was like, oh, wow. I didn't, you know, okay. I, I see a lot of people. We see a lot of people don't know. Like, you know what I mean? As far as the... <laughs> the younger generation. So it was more so it gave us a chippier feeling. But we did understand, though, it, it's at Madison Square Garden. Uh, Yonkers is Westchester County. Yeah. Even though we're the next after the Bronx, attached to the Bronx, yeah. basically. And people's eyes, all they're going to know is they're from Harlem. It's closer to downtown. So it was certain elements in play that we kind of understood. And to knew, we we knew what we had to do. So wait, when... When Kiss was doing, was it Two Guns Up? That's the moment that everyone's like, okay, so this just ended. And did you feel that while you're going through it? Like, well, well, seeing people, you. seeing people's expression, yeah. Like when you're on stage, you're 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 taking in what the crowds, you know, their energy and what their facial expressions and how they're feeling. So we went into it before we walk out. We got in our mind that we won. Right. You have to have a certain amount of confidence. Or if you don't, say something goes wrong and you don't feel that confident, it's going to keep going wrong. Right. If you feel extremely confident and something goes wrong, you're still going to continue to do what you do. You're going to be like, all right, I mean, it slipped a little here, but I'm a, we'll pick it back up. So we went in pretty much very, very confident. And what we know is we perform. You know what I mean? That's one thing we do. We we perform. 
Before we started, we were talking about you rhyming in the studio, and you said something really interesting that you guys, you and all all you guys in luck, yeah. you don't punch, by which a lot of rappers, if you miss if you miss a line, you can come back in and just do one line in the verse. Yeah. Some people say they don't punch is that they do the whole verse. Yeah. Or nothing. Yeah. Right. We're punching like, you know, just rep- just I could get 16. to the if I could get I could do the I could do fourteen out of a sixteen or twenty two out of a twenty four. If I mess up on that last bar, bring it back to the beginning. Start, you want to do it all in, in a single take, the whole verse. Yeah. Cause you wanna have that feeling. You want the verse to have that feeling. When you listening, I want you to have a feeling. Now technically nowadays they could fix that up and you still receive the feeling, but subconsciously you may feel things on another level because it's coming from the gut. Mm. And you may not know that, but that's why some of it is like, oh, yeah, I, I, I rock with them. Because when we're giving you that energy, we're going to give you that energy. And it just kind of, it makes it easier for you as a performer, too. So when you're actually going to go perform what you're doing, you know you can say it all. Mm. You don't have to worry about Think about it. If you didn't say say it all from the beginning and you had the punch and you can't get get wordy, when it comes to showtime, you can't it's gonna you're gonna have to practice a lot, or most likely you're not gonna nail that line hundred percent, which nobody nails everything hundred percent sure. all the time, but you wanna have your probability of nailing it maximized. Like you wanna know, all right, ninety percent, ninety five percent of the time I'm gonna nail this shit because I know it. And that might and, and saying no punching, that might mean you did it in one take. It might mean it takes a yeah. hundred takes. Yeah, there's no specific time of it. Like there's days I've been in the booth and out one take. There's times I've been in the booth like close to a hundred takes. Like you know what I mean? There's times I've been in the booth all day doing a song. So you don't it's not like it it's practice. It's part of the craft. Yeah. It's it's part of the craft, but it doesn't always you don't always uh, for me, I don't always nail it right away. And no pen and paper. No pen and paper. And you don't write the lyrics in your phone or whatever. No. You just just think of it and... Yeah, just keep saying it over and over. Uh, my, my way of not writing came out of more of a handicap, to be honest with you. What do you mean? Well, when I was younger, I would write a rhyme, but I couldn't... I have an offbeat, onbeat flow. Mm-hmm. So I would look at the paper and I couldn't remember exactly how I said it. Mm. And then at the same time, I had a stock job, uh, hustling, just running all over the place. So to write a rhyme and go go back and look at it, I couldn't do that as a as a young in the way I would want to. I would always have a problem. So it just became easier for me to memorize what I said. And now I have the feeling of it. It's like I'm saying the first line over and over and over. I'm thinking of the second line. By the time the second line comes... I already know how I want to say the first line. It's, it's embedded in my head. I've played with the cadence. I've played with the rhythm. And I keep uh, repetition. I'm saying it repetition, repetitiously until I get to the next line. And just keep, I, I would worry that I would forget. I would probably forget if I wrote it. Like, I admire people who write. Like, I don't, I don't view the non-writing thing how everybody else views it. Uh, however you get to the, to the end to the end goal is how you get there doesn't matter if you're writing not writing but i would i would imagine uh, to write i would have more freedom 
of of uh I don't know, just being able to make replacement words in case you don't like something. Because <laughs> sometimes in my head, I now if I don't like something, what what will happen is now sometimes I may get eight bars in, mm-hmm. not like something, not have found the right choices to go with what I want. So now I have to go make something different. I would assume with writing, you have a more of a freedom of figuring it out at some point. I mean, I've heard people say it's easier to mesh the words and the rhythm if you don't write it down. I, I believe it would, but I think that it's easier to mesh, but I believe you would have more choices mm. writing. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? I believe you, uh, like, uh, writing a book was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Okay. Because it was I don't write rhymes. So to sit there and write my thoughts down it was, it felt, it damn near traumatized me. It felt tedious. <laughs> it's traumatizing <laughs> yeah, for writers too. Yeah, it felt tedious <laughs> just to, you know. The, you wrote it by hand or you wrote it on computer? I wrote my, I wrote my book on a, at this, at this time, what was it called? The, the Blackberry? Two-way. Yeah. Uh-huh. I wrote, oh, wrote that's it on cool. a, I wrote it like on a Blackberry. That's a lot. Yeah. So, but that, that was easier for me because I was traveling with it. Wait, and you, when the thought comes up. You said you have an on-beat, off-beat flow yeah so when you're going off beat you're doing that on purpose well that's just how i'm feeling the beat yeah so i'm gonna go off i'm gonna you know i'm gonna pronunciate the word yeah i'm gonna be in my bag i'm feeling how i want to deliver it as an artist but then i'm gonna get back on to 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 where it's supposed to be like even in um even in good times yeah um the only flow that you know with a bounce and a half. So I got to bounce, but there's another half there. Mm. So I have to figure out to bounce back. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? So it's uh, it's off beat, on beat, but I'm on beat. What was the first time you remember being in love with hip hop? Before you were a rapper. Like the first time you were uh, like, I, 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 I love, I love hip hop. I want to say there's two things for me. And they're both at pretty young stages, but... One would be hearing the message because mm. the message I, I I can answer I can say it now because now I'm I'm older and I understand. But as a youth I wasn't really sure. But it was to be able to hear something that can that was verbal art mm. that connected to the picture that life was really painting outside. Mm. And I I wasn't able to put that together back then, but but we felt that I felt that in like in my body, like just as a youth from traveling, because we had um, heard, we're about the same age. We had heard rappers delight, yeah, that was cute, yeah. But the message was like, yo, this is serious. The message is serious, like so. Think about it, like you you get you see someone painting a picture of. I'm from New York, so this is a city I see. Um, from traveling with my mom. We live in Yonkers, but she worked in the Bronx. She worked in Manhattan. So I'm familiar with trains. I'm familiar with buses. I'm familiar with seeing different places. To be able to hear the message and and go back to how my neighborhood was, it was somebody painting the picture. Mm. But it was verbal. So I think that hit me hard. And then I would say the second one was watching Beat Street. I knew I had to be involved in rap for life. Really? Like watching Beat Street was... Lee's life, even though he wasn't a rapper. It was a hip-hop life. It was a hip-hop life. Yeah. It's just a young fella. The, the adults embraced him. 
He dressed well. He was cool. Um, he wasn't staying in the house. He was always always on the move. Like I knew that was something that I wanted to be part of. Did you graffiti? Um, yeah, I used to tag. Did you dance? I didn't do I didn't do a great job of it. Yeah, I mean I think we all did back then. And you DJed. I didn't never DJ. See a lot of people I never DJ'd. who 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 grew up in the seventies and maybe in some of the eighties would engage in all of the, all that they would yeah. they would tat they maybe could yeah. DJ they could dance a little they could I tagged, rap a little. I tagged, I boogied, I tagged, I boogied, and I would grab the mic. And the DJ was on a one and twos at the local party. Because, yeah, all the, you, so, all the elements, that's just all the elements what you there. did. I don't think, like, see how nowadays is, it's funny because how much being hip-hop is 50 and how much has grown. Mm. People look at different elements of saying, all right, this the element and that element, which are, they are all different elements. But back then, that was just life. Yes. You're not even looking at it like, this is a certain part. No. You didn't look at graffiti as separate from breaking. No. You didn't look at rhyming as separate from DJ. And you right. didn't look at going to a party separate from hanging out. It's just, this is my life. And my life embodies all of these things. So I think that was the amazing thing about hip hop. Because I think most people don't understand, like, um, I'm 48. So for me, I'm f- we're from a generation where... We weren't like our parents in a sense of, I think we knew we wanted something more than just what the white man told us mm. we had to do. More mm. than just go to school, go work for this, go to college, do this and do that. I think we understood that we were sort of from, you know, again, subconsciously, but I think it's like, all right, we don't have our own thing. Mm. And we were the generation who wanted their own thing. And I think hip hop became that own thing for a lot of us. So it was more so, all right, I'm gonna do this other shit I gotta do in life, but this right here is how I live. This is my this is my way of living, basically. This is how I walk, talk, dress, eat, yeah. sleep, yeah. shit, hang out, yeah. do everything. And phones wasn't out back then. So you even going to see your homeboy yelling at the window or knocking on the door, gathering up, meeting outside. So things were much more soulfully connected back then. when at what age were you like yo i'm i'm pretty good at rapping i'm pr- i'm better than most of the guys around here i think i knew that around like seventh seventh grade okay i think i knew that around seventh grade uh god bless dmx is from from yonkers new york so we had legends like dmx rhyme um kiss the chic were from the north side of yonkers okay i'm from the south side um there was another few other dudes and once your name starts ringing and when people start requesting you. To battle. To battle and start, you know, uh, cypher, battle. Um, Getty Square is a, the main part in Yonkers where no matter what school you go to, you're most likely catching a bus from there. So the fights happen there. The rapping happened there. All the cool things that happen in there. So at the time, the library would be in the center of everything. And after school, now you got a bunch of MCs from different places banging on the mailbox and rhyming. And I think once you know, you know, that you're dope in a certain circumference, your confidence, your confidence is boosted. Yeah. And then when you know you hear somebody else who they say is dope and you feel like you're better than them, that's another confidence booster. So I was from a place where, you know, you get acknowledged by a few great MCs and people who do what you do and 
people that you like and you, you know, you like how they rhyme also. That's when you I, know. How did you meet Kiss and I met them in, I I met them in junior high. Uh, but then we ended up going to the same high school together. And that's where the and were y'all friends? Yeah. Before it yeah. was a group? Yeah, well I met them, we wasn't close friends. We wasn't I'm from the south side, they're from the north, but as just in high school, it was like we just automatically clicked. Like, you know, we fourteen, fifteen, uh, and it was just kinda them two knew each other since single digits. Okay. I met them like at fourteen. So you were the third one in the group. Basically. I would have almost supposed to be like probably K Solo or Q tip. You were. Yeah. And it was more than just we had a crew called the Bomb Squad. So it wasn't it was Sheik and Kiss. Cause they were very professional at a very young age. Like when I met them, I was rhyming outside. They're the first two people who I seen go in the studio out of all our peers and talk about everybody who rhymed in school, people from other schools across town. They knew how to put a song together at that age, which was very rare. And this is real, a real time. They knew how to go to studio. You mean like they had a chorus, they had a chorus, verse, they had a verse, bridge. chorus, bridge, not just hook, not just no, rap, rap, not rap. just rapping, knowing the timing of it. And to me, that was very impressive because it also took a certain skill level. Like when you first, when you dope outside, you're outside, you're dope, you're banging on call hood, somebody's banging on the table, somebody's hitting the beatbox, and in your mind, you hear how you sound. But when you put a headphone on, it's different. Headphones on, and you're in a booth, and you're rhyming over a beat, and you got to keep that tempo. It's a whole nother world. And that was something I had to master pretty early on, because I was like, I was pretty much amazed, because I had been in the studio with a few older dudes, but I'd never seen anybody kind of work so smart at that age. Like, you know what I mean? And yeah. I was very imp impressed by what they do. So it just drove me further to 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 go harder. And we in class, but after school, we would just call each other with rhymes. Like, it, it just got to a point. When you're passionate and you share the same craft as yeah. someone and you got the same amount of passion, yeah. uh, it, it, just, it just clicks. Was we live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy. And we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy. And I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer. Because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. 
In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. The goal to be professional or to be the best in the area? Well, ninth grade, we just wanted to be the best in the area. Uh, For me, I just kind of wanted to be the best in the area. By the time I want to say we reached 12th grade, it was a serious goal. We're going. And then by the time we, you know, uh, supposed to thinking about college, we're in a community college, you know, um, we out of high school, we're in a community college. And even at community college, I fucking barely went to class. I was like rhyming there, mm. like against anyone who could rhyme. And then mm. um, I end up going, end up going to jail, county pen. For hustling. Uh, gun possession, yeah. Gun That's possession. part of hustling. Yeah, yeah. Well, wait, when did, hus- much. when did the hustling start? Shit, I was hustling since so I was 12. Really? I would hustle. And I, I, I worked probably since 12, and I hustled since 12. What, Both. You, what were you selling? I sold almost everything under the sun. I sold crack. <laughs> <laughs> I sold crack. I sold coke. I sold weed. Uh, yeah. How much do you think you made? Not enough. <laughs> <laughs> was it a not, good living? Not, I, I went, I'm a young, I was. I was young. It wasn't. I had a stock job also. I went to school also. So I wasn't, I was just the guy making it happen by any means necessary. So you were, you were on the corner hand to hand, but yeah, not, a, not, a, not doing a big, big no, things. No, not, not, not huge. So I got a little, a little older, right. <laughs> a, a little, a Are you little bigger when you little, got older, got a little bigger when you got a little older. Okay. Like, so even our first, our first, our first year, first few years, I still, I just wasn't doing the hustling, but I was still hustling. Mm. Like you know what I mean. Mm. So it was it, it it advanced, but I wasn't never kingpin status or any of that. No, no, but no, no. Like it was it was crazy, but we bought a kilo with our advance, <laughs> bad boy. So it was <laughs> shows you the mind state of of you know being on both sides of the fence. So wait, how much was the advance? It wasn't that much back then. Like I want to say about a, a I want to say I could be wrong, but I want to say about I feel like it was a buck fifty or somewhere around that. One hundred and fifty. Yeah, for all three of you. Yeah, I feel like Shit, it was. Something. You got fifty thousand dollars as an advance I, I, to I sign like, to Bad Boy when they I, were hot. I feel like it was somewhere in that area. Yeah, and you, definitely wasn't no no bigger numbers than that because. That was part of the reason. Because if it was, I doubt we would have 
went in and um, invested so, in a kilo. Well, I'm just saying, <laughs> so when you invested the 150 in a kilo, how much did that end up bringing back? Well, we made our money back. We didn't invest 150 in a kilo. We bought a kilo. A kilo wasn't 150 at that time. Okay. It was a, you know, a little cheaper than that. <laughs> but I'm saying how much to if well you more so than just uh, the investment you're thinking of at that time just sheerly ignorant you're thinking of making the most money you can sure and um if you've been outside doing something for a certain amount of years and you're you're new to something else it's not like you're looking at it like I'm gonna make a shitload of money here and do that like it's more so like all right, this is the reality. This is what I'm making. This is what I'm doing. Let me try to figure this out. And plus, you want a lot of good shit. So it kind of, it led to a, a different mind state. Bad boy, do, now, at this point in life, do you regret signing to bad boy? No. Not at all. Because we had a standard contract. We didn't, our contract wasn't different from most MCs that, that, that had it. And uh, you got to go through trials and tribulations. And that's like, who wouldn't go to the Chicago Bulls of rap? I mean, they were hot at that point. They were the Chicago Bulls of rap, basically. Like, you know, you know. so who, who wouldn't? And especially coming from a place where you're hustling. Mm-hmm. So you want to make an opportunity to get eventually get away from hustling and not have to be in that position. But until you feel comfortable and you get acclimated as a you know, an MC, a group, a rapper, whatever it may be, you're still on. You're one of the groups I think about that you your career was hot and label stuff got in the way of your movement. Yeah. And, you know, you feel bad about, like, we could have seen them develop. And obviously you guys moved through that. But yeah. there's a period of your career when you guys were hot mm-hmm. that we weren't really hearing from you because of label stuff. Yeah, I think, but I also believe that part of the, that period made us who we are today because, what do you mean? well, we wasn't making albums, but then we made our names on mixtapes. We made the streets hold us dearly to their heart. We we still, even though we weren't on a label, we were on a label, we still would give out free music. We still would rhyme over other people's beats. And I believe that part of our career really, why we're still relevant to, to 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 this day because people understood that we really cared about our craft and what we do and our fan base and just giving music out. So I think that <clears throat> although it didn't escalate numbers-wise and sales-wise, I believe it resonated with soul and a cult fan base. I do miss the mixtape era yeah. so much. And guys like you would jump on whoever, Ron G, whatever, mixtape, yeah. and do some style, some rhymes, yeah. some flow that you wouldn't do on your album. Yeah. And real fans are like, yo, I you know, I didn't know. Yeah. I, I definitely had people like, yo, I didn't know Fat Joe could do it like that. I didn't yeah. know so, so good. Like, now I'm, a, yeah. you know, that's the best thing I ever heard Buster do. Yeah. Right? Whatever. And um, it definitely, it was, it, I mean, and you had to know where to go yeah. to get them. yeah. Those were the days where you would be proud to find something new in hip hop. Yes. Not like today where you just hear the same thing over and over. Just and type over it in, you'll find it. And over, yeah. This one, those were the days you would be proud. Somebody but you, would be proud. You, you, as you alluded, you felt more free 
on the mixtape because you do. This is for real hip hop heads. So we're gonna... yeah because you one you're not you're doing it for the for the sake of the craft for the culture. Yeah. So when you do something for the sake of the craft, sake of the culture, just to say to connect with people because we also came from a a, a period of watching great MCs before us and going okay if. Here's the one thing I would have requested from all of the great people that I love is more work. Mm. So it's like, all right, we're not making it. Okay, we made the album. We're going through this and that. Mm. We could still give you work. We could still give you work. And okay, we're not making money off of it, but it's our craft. We love to do it. So here you go. We're going to give it to you. And I think that makes a a huge difference in and how you connect with your fan base. So wait, let me, let, somebody I've actually been wanting to ask you guys for a long time, which is a better name for a rap group, the Locks or D-Block? Uh, <laughs> for the, we're, we're both, D-Block is our movement and our brand and our label. But I met y'all, yeah. it was D-Block, uh, yeah. and then it became the Locks. We was Locks first, then D-Block. We was oh okay. we was bomb squad. We were warlocks. Then we were the locks, and then D Block is our version of going. We have control over ourselves. Like so, when we started putting out independent music, we wanted it to be under our label, which is D Block. Lock locks mean living off experience. So I can't say which one is better. D Block means discipline, dedication, determination. I think both things are very important in life, but. Locks is where it starts, and living off experience is where it starts. So if I had to edge it out, I'm going to give it to the Locks. I always felt like D-Block was a movement, though. It gave me a sense (laughs) of, like, what is going on. D-Block was more of a— Kind of like Death Row gave me a sense of where we're going. I was going to say, Locks was specifically the group. D-Block is the group and the movement. uh Uh-huh. So it was more so of— as I said, us showing our discipline, dedication, and determination. And I mean, the way that what it, what it we were she into. says D block. <laughs> yeah, it just rings in the it ears. It just goes hard. It's hard. It's it hits so you in hard. your chest when you hear yes, it. Yes, it's so hard. Yeah. That, I would say D block definitely will give you more of a feeling because, you know, when you when you yell out that D block, people feel it in the heart. What? Okay, so we said we could talk about anything. What happened in Puff's office? Y'all were not happy with the deal. You went in and told him that. Yeah, I mean, I just think the vibes wasn't just there. And pardon me, those are my ignorant days. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it really What did you do? I threw a chair out of him. <laughs> I threw it. I threw did you it. hit him? <laughs> no, I didn't even hit him. But you tried I, to I, hit I him. I tried to hit him. <laughs> Damn near broke my ankle, sp- almost sprained my ankle doing that so shit. So I was really, really so mad. So he do- he dodged the yeah, chair. Yeah, he dodged the chair. But you broke yeah. something throwing a chair. Yeah, I, I think I broke a few things in there, most likely. <laughs> so, wait. <laughs> it was just being frustrated. Like, you know, as I said, but here's where I say, um, I always tell artists nowadays you have to learn how to different, differentiate business in the street. Like, on the street, you feel violated. Handle it. You handle it. Like, yeah. that's pretty much how it goes. In business, you can't do that. In business, it doesn't work like that. And then business, you don't you don't understand certain things, especially when you're coming from the streets. So if I'm coming from the streets and I'm, I know whether it's a dime bag, I sell 10 dime bags, I made $100. Right. Now, records, you can sell thousands of records, and you're like, hey, wait, how much am I getting off this record exactly? Mm. And it doesn't make sense to you. So now... It's part of the business, but when you put in street math in your head, 
industry math kind of doesn't add up, and you can get very frustrated back then. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it was more so like this. I don't like the math. I don't like where, where things are going. Uh, and with Big Passing played a big part in the disruption. What do you mean? We were really close with Big. Yeah. Big was like a big brother. Like, so to be in his sessions, like, it's like somebody getting there a year or two before you and giving you the ropes and saying, here's how you got to do this. Here's how you got to do this. Here's how you deal with him. So even, um, you know, Big always made things every bit easier. For you. Yeah. For us as a group. Yeah. So when he wasn't around... I think that was just kind of the straw that broke the camel's back and there was no person to be like, ah, you got to chill. Do this from an artist's perspective mm, mm. that we could we we could kind of respect. So it was more like, I don't like this shit. He's getting on my nerves. Uh, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Did, 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 that, did that meeting lead to you... Getting what you wanted, eventually, yeah. Well, I, yes. I know later, <laughs> eventually, but yeah. Did, I mean, like that might throw a wrench in it, where he's like, you know what, fuck you, I'm, I'm digging in. Yeah, but it was like I was the bad guy, and there was a few other good guys there, so we still have management, <laughs> uh, we still <laughs> had certain things, so it had to be worked. What I did learn from that, that period in life, I believe it helped me out with understanding how business works, not just music business, mm. but business in general, like. Uh, sometimes you have to bite the bullet if it's going to get you in an opportunity in a place you need to be. Mm-hmm. But then you have to learn. I learned from that point on that as an artist, you also a businessman. Because mm. as an artist, you want to be an artist and you're an artist until you start finding out shit you don't like about the business. And then me, I just happen to react wrong, wrongly with <laughs> an attitude to it. But later down the line, I understood that this is part of business. Like, you know what I mean? He understood that we had the standard contract that this is what most people are going through. But the I standard think contract is bullshit. Standard contract is bullshit. <laughs> but you got to think about it. A lot of people, I, mean, I guess, one, we had made it from Yonkers, New York. No one was on before that right. besides our sister Mary. You know what I mean? Right, but right. Far as rap, no one's on. So right. we came in cocky and with a feeling of fuck it, we did it. We could do it again. But the standard contract, it was like I don't, I don't think I could keep. <laughs> this ain't. It's like having a dream and finding out that the dream has a slight, a slight, uh, a slight or more than slight nightmare involved in the dream. <laughs> it's a nightmare. So it's a, now it's like, wait a minute. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. But then you learn you learn later on 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 just how to deal with things like uh like a lot of people don't even understand no uh if, if you know you know the story it was uh we were on Bad Boy and um we got off Bad Boy went to Rough Rider Interscope uh but when I got off Interscope later I got off of Interscope with a simple conversation with Jimmy on my own Jimmy Iveen yeah as a businessman and was able to navigate my way out of that into independent world. But I learned that from what I went through with Puff. with Puff. So I knew how to, that way I approached it a whole different way. That's why no one never knows it. But I don't think people just randomly get off an interscope. <laughs> like, you, you know what I mean? Right, right. Randomly get out of a major deal. 
I was able to do that. What did you do that allowed you to do that? I had a conversation that? with him that was sensible. A personal conversation. Went to his house, had lunch, and uh, voiced my opinion, what I thought, my thoughts, how I felt, what type of artist I was, where I was going in life, how I moved, and he respected it. And just made my life really, made my life really simple. Tell, tell me about a little more about your friendship with Big. What was some of the advice, musical thoughts? Everything. Big was just really good with all around being a general, generally great person. Um, he gave advice on uh, how to deal with industry people, yeah. how to deal with Puff. How to deal with the label. What did he say about how to, how to deal with Puff? He's like, you got to, basically, you got to be, you you, you got to know how to work your mojo to get the things you want in the industry. With Puff and with everyone. You, you know what I mean? You got to know how to get your bread, have a good time. You got to know it's a business and you got to plan for the future. And more so than that, it was... Watching his business mind, even what he was working on doing with the Junior Mafia. Like, you know what I mean? He was in a great position. To be in that great of a position, he wasn't selfish, though. He was thinking about putting his people on. He was putting his people on. Not even thinking about it. He was doing it. So it was like he was saying, you got to have some future plans in and, and figure out how you're going to do what you want to do with your stuff. So I thought Big was a an awesome individual. And more so than that, even our sessions with him, when we when we first met him, I remember one of the first things he said after hearing us is, y'all motherfuckers rhyme. Y'all rhyme, rhyme. And I'm glad y'all here. Like, to be in that position, we're not from the same borough as him. We're from somewhere totally different. He didn't know us. He just had a real love for the craft and a, and a, a real appreciation. So even going to the studio... When we go into the studio, he's like, y'all y'all come over here, man. Bring that shit y'all be smoking from up top. <laughs> he's like, Big's the one who put us on the green weed. What do you, what, what were you? Big put, wait, what were you before doing? Before that was chocolate. Like, people oh. don't even, like, that time period was yeah. chocolate, yeah. Buddha, yeah. skunk, cess, yeah. yes. lamb's breath, uh, uh, all of that. And, and he Big, put you on the green. He put me on the hydro. Mm. Hydro. Word. And then Branson was actually on our way down coming to this. So we got used to going to Branson. Big would have mayonnaise full of mayonnaise jars full of green weed, but he still loved chocolate and the shit we we had from up top. So just how you went about it, I always say the thing about it is um we're a group, uh, but we we, you know, we got a crew of dudes with us. He treated our friends how he treated us. Mm. And to me, that was always very, like, uh, that's why I always say he was one of the classiest people I've I've ever met. He was one of the classiest people I ever met. He would treat your homeboy how he treated you. And I think as a gentleman, to be that young and to be in the music industry, coming out, coming from off the streets also, I thought that was a fine quality to have. Mm. Like, I saw that as a, a very fine quality because he was genuine. And he was very funny. Hilarious. He had a lot Hysterical. of his charisma. Yeah, charisma out the wazoo. So I, I just believe he was just a, a genuinely, uh, 
I remember amazing person where I was when I heard what had happened to him. Do you remember where you were? I definitely remember. We just left him. Oh, y'all were at that party. We were at the party. Right. We were with him. We just finished speaking to him. Just what did you, what were you, what did you talk about in the last? In your just last saying time? what's up, what's going on. But he was also saying when we get back to New York, uh, he knew I was disgruntled. We was disgruntled with Puff. Where he's like, yo, when we get back, we'll chop it up. I got y'all. Figure this and that. And we literally just left. You left what five ten minutes? Five five ten minutes before he left. Before he left. Did you, because it was nervous, it was a nervous trip as far as people in L.A. were talking yeah. shit. And he knew, like, it's a little, it's, it's not a normal trip to L.A. It's, yeah. it's, it's hot. Did you feel that vibe, that tension? I mean, I think nobody could not feel that from what was going on at the time. Uh, at that time, though, we were, us particularly as the group, they didn't really know us in L.A., that much yet, right, uh, right, right. and we didn't really give a shit about things <laughs> like that. Of that, you know, that magnitude. Um, then we, you know, we're coming from because before Rough Riders is a label, they are managing management and the same sure. seeing how they roll and how we roll back then. So it was, those was the cowboy days. So I don't think we thought about it in the way everybody else thought about it. It's just more like. Uh, Fuck it, go with the flow. So what happens? You're in the truck and somebody calls mm -hmm. and you get the information that you, you gotta be like, you you gotta be kidding me. I was yeah, just with him. It's crazy. Like it was just literally. How long after did you it happened did you hear about it? Right away. Right away, because everybody was in a you know, in frenzy mode. Mm. It's a frenzy. I mean, Big just got shot. Truck got shot up. Big shot. He's in the hospital. So it was just a, it was a crazy time. It was a really scary time too. I know a lot of people like went straight to the airport. Yeah. Like I know a bunch of people were like, I just, I didn't even go to my hotel. I just drove yeah. straight to the airport, wait for my flight. It's hard. It was hard. Um, when did you meet X, DMX? known X since teenage. I knew him. I actually knew X before I knew Sheik and Kiss because he's from right. my side of town. Right. So I knew I would see X walk through my block, come through my block since single digits, actually. But he was away a lot of your yeah, he'd be, childhood. He'd be, he'd be right. back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd be in and out. Yeah. He'd be in and out. But X also, like X was, X was a legend before. He was a legend where we're from. For his street exploits. And and his music at the same time. Like, he had street exploits, but he was voicing that in the music, and he was a hell of an MC. So before he made it on, he was a he was a, a legend in, in our parts. And he, he was a bad man on the mic. Yeah. So, you know, um, just coming up, that's also one of the people who was like, uh, when I was younger, you know, to give you, to give me credit and say how nice I am. How dope I am as an MC, but mm. also someone that, you know, that's when part of another part of being confident and knowing is when somebody who, you know, who got a couple stripes on their shoulders telling you you deserve a couple stripes on your shoulder. What does eating healthy mean to you? 
Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten free essentials, Thrive Market's got it, and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market. Dot com slash Toray. Thrivemarket.com slash Toray. On March 16th, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alamine, a Muslim leader and former black power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. So you talk about other people giving those... Kudos and flowers. Yeah, yeah, to so you. So as a young person, they yeah. hear ex tell you, you dope. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, it meant a lot. Because, yeah, so I know you're a fan of Jadakiss because that's your brother. Yeah, definitely. What is, some, what is something that he said on the mic that made you go, damn, nigga? Shit, every time, every time I hear she can kiss on a, pretty much every song. Like when you're in a group, uh, we're we're very we're we're obviously we're very competitive. Yeah. So no one goes in the studio to get the last spot, ever. You, right. You know what I'm saying? So every time I'm hearing him say something, I I can't think of when he he, I can't think of when they didn't Is when they said a rhyme where I didn't go. Sheesh. Oh, is, like, is there something he said that you like, yo, you outdid yourself right there? Nothing really sticks out because all of all of the all of the music sticks out to me. Uh uh by your side um is is one of my shits for how how much hard shit he's saying, but how relevant it is to being cool with somebody and body side and what they to get out of life. Um Shit, the the freestyle versus. Well, I, both of my partners, they I mean, constantly say shit that make me go. Oh, that his shit, his the, the line I keep coming back to him. Real live street shit, truest and the deepest. Deep. No niggas that go to jail just, just to get, get their teeth fixed. Think I give a fuck what you heard say. When I got the nigga that you're trying to be watching my wordplay, now everybody want to be popped till they ass really get popped and they die on the third, third day. day. Like, I mean, just just that that first those first two lines, just the sonic yeah. play of it, yeah. and the and the detail. I can see the guy going to jail to get and like that. Yeah. You know that, like yeah. you really know. Yeah. You don't read that and figure that out. Like you know people who somebody who did like. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's an experience. Yes. <laughs> Yes, that's an experience. And the way he's riding the beat, because the next line he changes 
what he's rhyming about. Yeah. Uh, the, the 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 rhyming words. Yeah. Right. So, but those first two is the and got to be a bad man to do that. <laughs> got to be a the bad same man thing to do with that. with with Sheik. The lineup pops out to me. I'm strictly trying to cop, cop those, those. colossal size Picasso's. <laughs> it's crazy because it's a picture. It's a picture. I see it's a it. picture like that. I think that's a big part of being an MC. Uh, being a you know because rapping and MC is two different, two totally different. Ooh, things. ooh, rapping and MC are two totally different things. Uh, being an MC it entails a lot, and I think a lot of people don't really understand that if they if they don't, they're not an MC. One, you have to have a flow to be an MC. To be an MC, now you have to have wordplay. Now you have to say something relevant where the words are going where it's not typical of what anybody else say because you don't want to sound like anyone else while painting the picture at the same time, while making sure that picture that you paint is now they can visualize it, sonically feel it, understand you saying some other shit and want to rewind it and break down what you're saying. Mm-hmm. See, a, a rapper is just going to rap and he's just going to go off. An MC is, is looking to say some witty, clever shit that you may think about years later and go, wait a minute, did he just say that? So MC's higher for you. MC by all means are yeah. higher. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's very high. Anybody could rap. Mm. Rapping is rapping words. So I'm not saying anybody could rap good, but almost anyone could rap. You could say cat, hat, bat, fat, sat, jack. You could rap. Yeah. But an MC is going to take those same words, make it mean something, and add some other words to it to where you're like, Oh shit! So you're right. like you st- you start as a rapper, and maybe at some point you ascend to become an MC. When Definitely you get more complex. Definitely. with everything. Definitely, I think everyone starts as a rapper, and then when you're good at it, you you start, you know, mastering the ceremony. Who are the MCs who you really listened to when you were developing? Who you would think of are inspiring? Cool G, Kane, Rakim, and KRS. Cool G, Kane. Rakim, KRS, the, the, EPMD, the Kings, the of, Holy Grail. Mm, both Eric and Parrish, or both. one more than the other? Both. Both. Um, Jungle Brothers, mm-hmm. They Are Soul, Light. MC Light. Uh, Latifah. Mm-hmm. Uh, See, now the first. Chill Rob G. Mm, the first four. First four kings. The, the first I four do, I look at is the grandmasters yeah. of what I feel. Kane, Kooji, Rakim, and KRS are the are Nas, Hov, Biggie, Mob Deep, ourselves, Wu Tang. Yeah. Anybody who came up in that era, I feel those four have to be part of your four well, grandmasters. Wait, like, if you if if we were plotting out like a style family tree, like a stylist, like I could say, like this MC clearly comes from listening to this. So yeah. who would be like the the fathers or whatever of Them your four. style. Those four. Those four. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. I think more than just me, I think everybody I just mentioned. Oh, absolutely. I think everyone I, I just mentioned because as a youth, you 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 have to pay attention to who came before you. You don't just get dope out of nowhere. Yeah. You you learn to develop your own style from saying, All right, I like what he does, I like what what, what she does, I like what he does, I like Oh, I like the I, I like that cadence. And now you, tr- if you're good enough, 
you become the, you know, add your individual style and make your individual style. But those are the godfathers of uh, of the of the golden era. So are you done making albums? Yeah, this will be my, my last solo album. Solo albums, yes. So you sure. might do a locks album. Yeah, definitely doing a locks album in the studio doing lock stuff now. Uh and I'll still do some collaboration pro um, projects. But as far as my solo catalog, I feel like out of my age group, my my catalog is extensive. Um, I feel like with all of the things that I have going on outside of music, I need to be able to balance myself, balance my time better. Uh, and there's there's so many other things I want to do creative-wise. Like, I've written, my wife is on her second book. She, her second book is out. She has two books. I have one book, so now... I'm the fake author in the house. You're the fake author. I'm the fake author. Because you... I got one. <laughs> you yeah. trying to catch up. Yeah, I got to catch up. I got. But my wife, what she has, I write fiction. Okay. Uh, she writes real, what's real, real life. Shit. Name her book. Her book is um the Ethereal Hike, where she's that one's. And what's her name? Um, Ajua Styles, and uh, her second book is Fuck the Frail Shit. Fuck the frill shit. Fuck the frill shit. Fuck the frill. Oh, fuck the, okay, all right. So people want to find that. Yeah. Can those, find those that. Are, those, the second one's definitely for your mental wellness okay. and mental well-being. The first one also, but the first one more is a, a, of, a, of a journey to um, discern the privilege of loss through the power of love. Okay. Being that we lost our daughter uh, mm-hmm. and just telling people how to move on in life, push forward. How do you uh, move on from a tragedy like that? Because you um, you never really move on. You never move on. You're never healed, but you work constantly on healing. And um, she says something that's great in, the, in, in that book. Um, one is you got to discern the privilege of loss through the power of love. What? Discern the privilege of loss through the power of love. What does that mean? Through love, you get to understand. Through loss, you get to understand the love for yourself, the love you have for the person you lost the love you should have for life, um, moving on, being in a bad place, opening up, opening, opening up and growing into something more, something different, pushing on in a positive manner. So you could, she says something that I pretty much implement in my life daily now, especially when I'm, I'm feeling bad. You could break down or you could break open. Mm, interesting. So you have to find, like, we're all going to lose Someday, and you move on by thinking of other people who are, who are losing or have lost. So, all right, we could say we know how we lost our daughter. What about the person whose child is on a milk box? What about the person who lost a whole family at once? Mm. What about a person who, you know, just going through other shit? So you have to understand that uh, the creator works in his own way, and you got to understand how to connect to the creator and just try to be the best you you could be as you're moving on through life. Your daughter took her own life. Yes. And I would wonder, God, where you might blame yourself or look for what, you know, like if somebody died of cancer, like I understand what happened. It's horrible. But like, you know, then you got to figure out, well, what happened? Where you, You never really get the answers of what happened. You just go... This is why mental wellness is important, that all you could do is try to be mentally as well as you possibly can be. Yeah. There's sometimes the answers aren't right in front of you. Either one of us had the signs that our daughter would commit suicide. 
probably just happened off the fly. But then you look at other things that happen in life that just kind of happen off the fly. Like me, I'm a person who suffered from rage. Like most people in jail, there's been people who've been cool their whole life, then they snap, something happens, and they're in jail for murder for the rest of their life. So there's instances in life where your train of thinking, your train of thought could just change. It could be due to the way you're eating. It could be due to the how much stress you're holding and not relieving. It could be due to just being in circumstances you don't like. So the mind works in in a certain way, which is why mental wellness is important, period. And so, you know, uh to to you to to live life with blaming yourself, you wouldn't be living life as well as you should be and for the person you lost either. I know you've been focusing on wellness. Um, you got juices for life and all sorts of you live been juices ve- for life, pharmacy for life, yeah. Vegan for a long time. So you're yeah. really thinking a lot about how can I put the best things into yeah. my body so I can be for sure healthy. And you feel a hundred percent different. Great. Yeah. I feel great. If not, then I I would have went back. What is the number one seller at Juices for Life? I don't think we have a number one seller. We have a few number one sellers. Uh, Armageddon, Morning Rush, G5, Kiss of Life, Uh uh, one of mine's two, Ghost, Ghost Juice, The Wave, uh, and... We also like people come make their own, put their own blends. Together. What about the pharmacy for life? What is the, what is the number one thing? Pharmacy for life, want? I would say the 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 number one what? The number one thing most people want: black seed oil. Black seed. Black seed oil because it removes mucus, it removes phlegm. It's good for your brain function. It's good if you're fighting diabetes, if you have high blood pressure, has anti anti cancer properties. It's good for your skin. It's good for your gut. It's basically the I feel it's the holy grail of uh, most health products. Not just our black seed oil, black seed This oil is the holy grail. In, in, in general. This, I, I this feel, is the shit. That yeah, I feel promotes. black seed oil definitely because one thing, what, what Juices for Life is about, what Pharmacy for Life is about, is, is really about understanding what's happened to, happening to us as a people and what difference we can make as a brand for our people. To understand that even me and my wife understand what we want to do, what we want to accomplish. We're, we we started it, but we won't be around to see the end results we're looking for. Mm. The end results we're looking for probably be God willingly not, but most likely there's a fast food. When you go, to, when you talk about a hood, right? There's a fast food place. Uh, jewelry, sneakers. Jewelry and a liquor, liquor store in every, yes. every. Yes. Beyond America, almost every black hood in America yeah, yeah. and probably beyond, you see these things. Yeah. Until there's a a, st- a pharmacy for life or a store like Pharmacy for Life or a store like Juices for Life or a yoga place or a meditation place or a loud place, or, uh, not just from our brand, from multiple brands, until there's something like that in every hood, it's not balanced. The balance is not there. So we're just working on sparking... Um, I mean, sparking people to hear the messages that all have already been laid out for us by the likes of um, 
the great late Dick Gregory, the great late Dr. Sebi. Like the, these are these are things we've been informed about and since we have the opportunity and we're in hip hop. Uh, where we choose to use our outlet yeah. to spread the word in, in hip hop, because especially in the hood, what's the most one of the most relevant things in the hood? I'm not even talking about music; just coming up in the hood is survival. Yeah, that's what's mostly on everybody's mind. Yeah, survival of getting enough money to do something different in your life. But that really starts with taking care of yourself or at least having a balanced lifestyle. So on your Wikipedia page, which may or may not be true, it said you were supporting Trump in 2020. Is that true? That definitely wasn't true. Okay. That's funny. I I support independent thinkers. I'm the guy who says, pardon my French, but fuck the red side, fuck the blue side. They're both... They're they're both wings, different wings on one bird. Okay. Uh, I I I personally think I don't know why they would put that on my Wikipedia. I have enough. You could just scroll on my social media and see how I don't support anyone. But if you ask me something, I did prefer when Trump was in office over Biden, and I could tell you clearly why. Why? Black people paid more attention to what was going on because we felt like we were in crisis. Yeah. Because we, we felt were, like we were in crisis now, though. But when when it's somebody, I rather have my, I rather have you tell me you don't like me, and know you don't like me, and you inform me, than me have to guess it or you secretly don't like me, but you telling me you like me. You're not. I think the government's been doing that for ages. But you're not supporting Trump in in any way. No, you're saying I don't support Trump in any way. You're saying. The racism was clear here, and now it's I'd rather a deal more, with that. It's a little more. Cloaked. I'd rather deal with a, with clear racism and uh, and just someone being who they are and letting you know where they come from. Right, but you're not saying the country was better under Trump. No, nah, I think the country sucked under both of them. <laughs> here's what I here's what I I, I I truly think. I feel right. You put it in a context that people feel in a certain context. I peop, I think people are people in our generation are following what the generation came before us um, said. Mm-hmm. I don't want to pick a better poison. I'd rather fast. Mm, interesting. I'd rather fast. You're telling me to pick a better poison, and I think politically we've got to the point where people are just f- figuring out on picking the better poison. Why pick the better poison? Why so not come up with something that really works for all the people? Because whether you look at Trump, whether you look at Biden, I would ask you, what have either one of them done for us? So you're saying you did not vote? No, I didn't vote. I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't vote on that go around. I voted. Why um, couldn't you? Because you. Why couldn't you? I couldn't find myself. I wasn't going to vote for Trump. He clearly what he is. What he is. But you didn't but like I Biden either. I didn't like Biden at all. I think. How could we as a? What about when it was Trump Clinton? You didn't vote. Couldn't vote for Hillary neither. Did you vote for Obama? I felt Hillary had as much racist. Yeah, I voted for Obama twice. Right. I, f- I felt Hillary had as much racist incidents as Trump did. But because because she that's a bit of a stretch. No way. She called us predators early. I understand that that is one. She called us predators early. She was talking about super predators. Yes, at a time. Well, at that time, who were they time, locking up? No, no, of course. And who fit the bill uh, of the no, super of predator? Course, of course, of course. And that was at a time when, and not to 
absolve her or whatever. But at a time when yeah. criminologists thought there's specific individuals who yeah. commit more crime than others. And if we get them, then we can deal with the crime yeah. issue. Right. Um, but she's coming at it from a, from a notion of like, how can we protect a community that is being ravaged by criminals and, and yeah, but I believe ways. that she had the knowledge and the understanding of how the country works, how politics work, how the institutions we have. She don't have, she don't have a understanding of the hood. It is she nothing has to, an understanding of how the institutions but she's not affect trying to affect the hood. But she's not trying to be. She's not trying there to be racist the way Trump is when he's no. Doing I don't birth think. I don't, I don't. I don't think so. But as I said, I'd rather deal with a person who I could see coming and I know what they are. Mm-hmm. That's just how my personality mm-hmm. is. I'd mm-hmm. rather deal with someone that I know is my enemy. That's mm-hmm. on a right in front of me telling me mm-hmm. instead of someone who may sign a bill that's going to work against me because I'm not paying attention. Mm-hmm. See, mm-hmm. Trump had us paying attention because you knew what you were under. You knew what you, you knew what was going on. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's times in, I think in the history of the country where we could see things needed to be changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that came from both sides. And like, I think, George Bush and the things that were going on in Iraq, I, I think most of America wasn't used to black barbershops talking about that shit. Mm, so I think when when we started talking about in the barbershop about what's going on in the country and what's going on out of the country, I think it made politics look at us in a different light. And sure. I'm talking about sure. not just the hip-hop community, the black community, period. And throughout the years, though, it's like... Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't really. I'm not. I'm not fond of either side. I voted for Obama twice, but I, I'm not fond of what the Democrats do. I'm not fond of what the Republicans do. Uh, I feel I don't have the answers to it, but I feel there should be a better system at play because now yes. we're in a world where it's super divided, and besides those who are running, like if I tell you my my politics and you don't agree with me. Like, you could go online and see that it's, fuck you, you're wrong. People can't even have a conversation to disagree with each other. People can't even agree to right. disagree right, right, anymore. Right. Now it's just like, I'm over here, right. I'm with them, you're over there, you're with them, and we don't we don't mix and mesh. I believe that divide within our government and how much they're divided over is, is very much harming the country. And, I, and I'm going to give you a clear example. When COVID hit, there shouldn't have been a Republican-Democrat point of view. Should have been one point of view. Yes. That kind of shows you how fucked up politics are. We're talking about a pandemic, something that's never happened within our lifetime. Yes. That's affecting Part of the- millions of people. How do you make it political? That's horrible. I I agree. Uh, uh, I agree. You are casting aspersions on both houses. Yeah. And it was really Republicans and the right that was like, fuck the science, fuck the masks, fuck your vaccine. And it was Republicans uh, who Mitch McConnell and them, Republicans in the Senate, 100% feared that Trump would lose because there was a discussion about we should just give every American a certain amount of money every month. 
because they're not able to work. See, but 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 the Republicans were afraid Trump will lose. Will have given people money. There will be an economic uh, uptick, and the Democrats will get credit for it. So we can't do. You know, so I mean, like, there's different ways that the Republicans said we don't want to be helpful because we think our man might lose. Yeah, I don't disagree and, with and you on I'm that. I'm not sure. I don't see where Democrats politicize that in the way that you're. Well, I think talking they just about. gave a fuck about what the Republicans were doing so much and stuck on that, and then it became what I'm saying as a country. No matter whose fault it is, right? Mm. It could be Republicans' fault more. Mm. Where are we where we got to even where it should be a fault and we don't have a country that just figures out how to run yeah. and how to get together and how to do things? How can either both sides say, let's get together, let's do the math on everywhere it's hit, who's doing good with handling it, yeah. who's doing bad with handling it, how they handle it. Let's take the information that we have on how they handled it yeah. and move on together. And they didn't do that because both sides are pretty fucking selfish, if you ask me. Mm. Because anything that has to do with human beings shouldn't be that politicized. Right. And, and and that's my point at the end of the day. Like, I don't know. I just see, I, I believe in, I, I vote, I'm with voting locally. I'm with, like, making sure about the judges in your town. So you, the mayors. So you vote. The councilmen. You vote for mayors. I work with the mayors. I, I, you know, I, I, I so wait, you we build for, up school. You we vote build for up mayors. School. I deal with, I deal with mayors. I deal with councilmen. You voted I, for your mayor. Yeah. And you voted for your congressperson. Yeah. Did you vote for Senator? No. So Senator. I like local politics. I okay. don't care. Once it gets too so big. So you're not anti-voting. You are I'm voting not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not anti-voting. I'm not, I'm not anti-anything. And that's, that's a problem. When you, when you don't do something or you don't participate in something, People will make you anti. I'm not anti-voting. I'm for what you, how you feel comfortable as an individual. What I want to do and how I feel, I don't have a right to project that upon you. But your that's mayor, not my human right. But you're you feel like your mayor, and 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 I think this is right that your mayor will have a greater impact, impact on your life and my community, citizen life. and as businessman, yeah. than a president will definitely. Because I feel like you should have some so. Like, I can't call anyone up in the White House right now and say, hey, I'm not feeling how this is going. I think you should do this to make a difference. I can't do that. I could call the mayor up, though. I could call the mayor of Yonkers on the phone. I could I, I speak to the mayor of Yonkers. I speak to the mayor of Mount Vernon. I, I, I've spoken with the mayor uh, of Peekskill. I, uh, I speak with Congressman Bowman. And you've I speak with, I, 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 I deal with Senator Stewart. I don't go around... Um. I don't feel, I feel with me personally, I can make more change and effect with being who I am and working with whoever's working with the people. Well, I don't have to pick a side. You, do you see that you, because you're donating to these, to the campaigns of these people, right? No, I'm donating my energy and my time. Oh, see, because donors have more power than voters. Definitely. So if you, and you're. Now, now taking that, like, Say that one more time for me. Yeah, donors have more power than voters. So what kind of political system do we have in this oh, country oh, if that's, that's the case? That's what I'm saying. 100%. It's shitty on both sides. 100%. But you're somebody who can take advantage <laughs> of that, of like, I donate to the mayor as l everything is legal. 
And that means the mayor is going to take me. I mean, the mayor takes you very seriously. The mayor takes me serious because I'm going on, on this. Here's why the mayor is going to take me serious and anyone I deal with, because I'm going on behalf of speaking for the people. I'm not there no, for no, no, no. The mayor takes you seriously <laughs> because you are a serious business person and a and a and a well known and loved person for in sure, the community. For sure, for but sure. you're a serious business person. For sure. If you were just, you know, I I'm a rapper. Okay, that's cool. But yeah. you're you're yeah, an I, important I agree, business I, I agree person in these communities. I think you have to be one better for you your community. Hire? How many employees do you think you have with the Juice for Life, Pharmacy for Life? I would say about a hundred. That's a big business. I would say about a hundred. That's that's not a small business. I would say about a hundred. That's a lot. Five five, five so they, juice bars, um, pharmacy for life. Our e-commerce has a, a a hub where we have many workers. Um, it's it's good enough. That's a lot. No, they definitely want to. It's take good enough, calls. but we do different things. Like we've re, we've rebuilt three three parks where I'm where I'm from. They um, love you. We're working on making sure they do the right thing. And continue to do the right thing for the community center that's there. It's amazing. Um, we're gonna actually this month or the end of the month, we're connecting with Y YMCA to start giving plant based soup kitchens. Nice. Um, we do book bag drives. Nice. We do things community based. Like you don't. A lot of people think you have to be connected. Somehow, if you start doing the work, the people who are connected have to come see you and have mm. conversations with you. And I think. That's what it's about at the end of the day. Whether it's red or blue, it's sure. about both sides should be for the people. Because as you say, we're in a country where politicians run us instead of us running. A, That's right. Government runs us. and The people are supposed to run the government. That's right. So you know why people don't run the government? Because rich people run the government. Because rich people <laughs> run the government. The donors run the government. And the poor people are arguing over which side is right. Mm-hmm. So if you're going, hey, I'm, I'm with this side, they with that side, and the donors and the rich people are running it, what kind of government do we really have? And I, I'm not knocking it because it's a great country. I want, I don't want to live in a, any other country but here. No, of course. But I'm calling a spade a spade. Like at the no, end of, of the day, it's like, uh, you know, I'm, I don't, I, I don't want to be in a place where the guy saying, "Make America great again." When was America? When was, when was America great? ever great for a black man? When was it great? <laughs> like, what are you talking yeah, about? Like, where, where, where what is it coming this, from? What is this but I'm also to... not going to vote for the guy who, in the past, signed bills against us. And even how I think we think slow, we think slow when it comes to politics. Like, people were worried about Biden's racism when he was running for president. I was like, y'all didn't think about that when he ran for vice president? You didn't think about it because he was standing next to a black, a black man, man at the time. So okay, wait. So we get blinded by what they wanted us to see, and we talk about what they want us to talk about. So one last thing. Uh, I was just at lunch with, with a bunch of people, and this guy who's a little younger than us said, who loves hip-hop, he said, I don't think, we were really talking about Jay-Z and Nas. He's like, I don't think there should be any rappers over 40. Once you get to 40, you should just hang it up. How old was he? Uh, this person is probably about 40, 45. And, and, what race is he? Oh, black. Black and a real hip-hop fan. But, See, and I'm going to tell you something that he doesn't know. Subconsciously, he's brainwashed without understanding that. Mm. He is brainwashed without understanding what, what that. What other genre of music does a musician stop at 40? You not name rock, it. Not rock and not roll. Not rock and roll. 
not jazz, not R and B, not country, not R and B, but rappers have to stop at forty. The the newest, youngest genre out of all of the genres. Now we have to stop at forty. Why does he think that? Because he's programmed from living at the, at the hood that you have to achieve certain things by forty. You have to achieve certain things in your twenties and thirty. Subconsciously, this is what he's probably thinking. Instead of thinking like as a just a regular black man, as a regular human being, a lot of people don't even start getting into their their mind mm. and their proper brainwave and thoughts and patterns and knowing themselves until they're in their late forties or fifty. So why stop if you never thought that about any other genre? It's been subconsciously brainwashed to think we have to have a a certain window or we have to be in a certain box or mm. we have to just start doing certain things. Everything with rap gets put in a box that the whole world, rest of the world doesn't have to live by. But somehow us, the genre that the whole world takes from has to be. I it mean, doesn't make I any think, sense. I think it's infantilizing to hip hop to think only young people can make this. That's, that's I, have, I have no problem it's with utterly ridiculous. Yeah, I have no problem with twenty something rap, but I want to hear from grown men who've been and women who've been at it for a while, at life for a while. Rock and roll has an older wing. Yeah, why should we not have grown folks making grown folks? So, like you, you <laughs> should not be pretending. I'm in the streets doing da 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 Yeah. When you have juice for life. But Not if you all. are talking about real life shit that's going on in your life. Why wouldn't somebody who came up person, person my age or older want to hear that? So what about the fans? They should no longer listen to rap? I mean, I'm I'm a 50-year-old <laughs> fan of rap. Should I not have people my age? Exactly. That doesn't that doesn't that doesn't make sense. I feel like that's a subconscious brainwash without him really understanding that. Mm-hmm. Because no other genre, I doubt he said that about any other genre. No, 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 no. It's not even an idea to go, No, they should stop. Because actually, that's like saying you should stop making money in your 40s if you're involved with music. Because mm-hmm. one, you're supposed to make music. It goes from hobby to job career. Mm-hmm. Hobby to job to career. Mm-hmm. Why would somebody stop their career in their 40s? Now- John Mayer said something to me that was really interesting because he he talked about 40 as well. But he was like, before you're 40 as an artist, you should spend most of your time in the studio trying to make hits. After 40, he's like, you're probably not going to be able to make hits. Like before, you're not in touch with the younger culture the same way. So you should spend most of your time performing and, and doing shows. I think you should, as an artist, from beginning to end, you should focus your whole time on doing the art you love. Mm-hmm. I don't think even when we're talking about hits, that's a hit's a hit. Mm-hmm. Doesn't necessarily mean you thought about art when you did it. Like as an artist, you started your artistry for yourself to find something in you that you connected with, that you like, that you love doing, that resonates with your spirit and your soul. Now you make it in the industry and it becomes about hits, charting, a certain amount of success. Then, then you're just a businessman now and you're no longer an artist. Mm. I think art is art no matter how you, you want to do it. I think you definitely should spend more of your time as you're an elder performing. But I don't think you should – I don't think hits should be the criteria of creativeness. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think creative – if you feel creative – you should just go create. 
Mm-hmm. Like you, you know, I think so. Cel- I think being a celebrity puts everything in a different perspective and in a, in a different box because I just, also with music is the only art form where you really put an age on. Mm. Like you know what I mean? You don't put an age on painters. No, as not. as an actor, you can act from a child to when you fucking to you about when to you go in a grave. Chino, because it's art. Yeah, it should be the same with music. Thanks so much to Styles for a great interview, and thanks to you for listening. Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality. Maybe this show can help. You can find me on Twitter sometimes at Torre, definitely on Instagram at Torre Show, on Spill at Torre. Look, this show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jennifer Brown. Our editor is Ryan Woodhall. Our booker is Claudia Jean. And we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back next Wednesday with more amazing guests because the man can't shut us down. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered.